We're back. Here we are. I got it right this time. Yeah. Yay. Me too. <laughs> 20 we don't. some odd episodes in. Now I've Two? lost track. Yeah. In 22. Uh, yeah. Sure. Um, Just go for it. Good job. You right, you finally, did a good job, Aaron. I'm, I'm on top of the count this time. <laughs> no, I just mean in general. Good job making oh. this thing run this long. <laughs> good job to you too, Daniel. Uh, high five. Hey, we've never done that on there. No, nope. it's probably a terrible thing to do. Um, <laughs> what do you think, folks? <laughs> our sound engineer's like, no, no, you, <laughs> you're our sound engineer. Well, I'm terrible at it. Yeah, well, um, yeah, sweet. I, of- I don't want to spend a super long time mm-hmm. on the intro because right. last week's was kind of long. Oh, well. I loved it. Right? <laughs> uh, so let's thank our patrons really yeah, quick. Yeah, let's let's get to that. Okay. What? <laughs> Ready? Yep. Thank you, Cindy, Brian, Allison, James, Lindsay, Catherine, Travis, Jennifer, Deborah, Jesse, Holly, Jeremy, Sean, and Tyler. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. And... Uh, you can get on this list too. There's plenty mm-hmm. more people that we didn't name actually just yep. numbers. But yes. uh yeah, it it we can't thank you guys enough for supporting mm-hmm. the show. Everybody um at any level. It does give you access to super um awesome content sometimes. Mm-hmm. We we're cooking up an mm-hmm. idea right now of awesomedness. Mm. Um, cooking. Yeah. Oh, but it's mm, not baking. cookies. Anyway. All right. Um yeah. Anyway, yep. We have, we have a cool idea. It's a few things up, up our short sleeve. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It is short sleeve weather. Finally, <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah. Uh. But that being said, mm-hmm. so thank you for supporting the show. Mm-hmm. Um. We appreciate everybody who can do it. If you'll click on patreon.com forward slash look what I did, that really really goes a long way in helping us accomplish some of the things that we've retroactively done and are looking <laughs> to do in the future. Um. Yep. And then also. Uh, you can go to www.lookwhatidid.net and mm-hmm. buy a t-shirt designed by Chad Moppin, yep. buy posters that we just got in. Yep, they're $5. so sweet. Yeah. Um, so there's some cool stuff there, and that's a great way of mm-hmm. doing like a one-time support thing. The other way you can support is subscribe. Yes. So subscribing to us on whatever your podcast player of choice is mm-hmm. really, really helps. Right. Um, and then just tell people about it. Yep. As that's, Aaron says. Tell a friend, tell a stranger. Yep. So, without further ado, mm-hmm. this one, mm. this is Jamil Jasser, and he, he'll explain what he does, but this guy contacted us, and it was just like, I, I didn't know what to make of the initial thing, you know, like, it was just, <laughs> uh-huh. but truly, legitimately, one of the sweetest human beings we've had on. And I know mm-hmm. I say it all the time, but this guy, like, I didn't know him before this. Yep. I don't, you didn't we know were, him We were this. fast friends. I mean, a total stranger, mm-hmm. right? But this guy walks in and you're just like, I want to be your best friend forever. <laughs> like, it was just like, I, I've continued uh-huh. to reach out to him and just talk to him a little bit. Um, in fact, uh, we got him in at the Death Ray Expo, so yeah. he'll be there showing some of the stuff he's going to talk about now. Yep. So that's another reason to go to Death Ray Expo. Oh. Um, and that being said, I'm just going to go ahead and plug that. It's mm-hmm. 10 bucks right now. In the $10. month of May, you have two weeks left to buy $10 tickets to mm-hmm. Death Ray Expo. Um, they'll go up in price after that. But $10 for an entire day, and you get yeah. an escape room, you get board games, you get an arc- retro arcade, you get a tournament at the rec- retro arcade, artist panel that Aaron and yep. I are hosting, um, create a character with John Lucas, future guest of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's so much stuff to do and it's ten dollars i would pay ten dollars to do an escape room yeah. i would pay ten dollars to play board games that i like can just check out and try like i would pay mm-hmm. ten dollars for that i would pay ten dollars to listen to these artists talk yeah. i would pay ten dollars to meet these artists i would pay ten dollars to play the arcade right like mm-hmm. any one of those things is totally worth it and it's all at one spot for 10 bucks yep. it's crazy what's here it's amazing mm-hmm. um so yeah Definitely go to gocattywampus.com and buy tickets today. Yep. While the getting's good. A hundred percent worth it. Yep. Um, and we can't wait to see you guys there. So it's yeah. going to be the one year anniversary of mm-hmm. us. Um, well, not us. Aaron and I have known each other way longer. <laughs> one year anniversary of Look What I Did, the podcast, I guess. Um, and we'd love to see you guys there. We'd yeah. love to have you out for the live show. Yeah. Um, and we have some some cool things cooking for that too, I think. Yes. But uh I'm hungry. I keep saying cooking a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a some sort of slip here. Yeah, you know, a cooking um, slip. Yeah, a foodie in slip. Foodie in. <laughs> so, there you go. So uh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> um, let's not watch Cannibal the Musical. I think that would be bad. Um, so anyway, all right, Jamil Jasser, this guy is an advocate for the Cherokee nation. Mm-hmm. Um, he is preserving their history. He's doing some really cool, really important work. Heck yeah. He contacted us because of the Daniel Hawkins episode. Mm-hmm. So and Daniel Hawkins was, a, or is a digital fabricator. Definitely check him out. Digital armory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to learn more, I'll have this in the show notes, but to learn more about, uh, Jamil stuff, it's, Chala Geek, but it's T S A L L A Geek.com. And then that's access to his stuff. Um, and we'll post that in the show notes. But mm-hmm. this guy, he's just an amazing, amazing human being. His wife actually came with him. She's in mm-hmm. the room and kind of like you'll hear bits of that. Yeah. Uh, she was really sweet as well. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It's hard to blew explain. My mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. Right. And um, definitely listen to it. Listen to it all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. It's there's some great stuff in here. Yeah, it was yeah. hard for me to put into words things like the importance of what he's doing. Yeah, I just couldn't articulate enough. It yeah. was it's awesome. So, without further ado, enjoy. Call it that, right? I'm just going to say the awkward thing real quick and say that you look a lot like Claudio. And does anybody ever tell you that? Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard yeah, that a couple yeah. of times. All right. I was At least you know who Claudio is. Yeah. So that makes me feel already this is going to go better than I was hoping. I'm a big fan of the Anne Wars. <laughs> yeah, I, like I have yeah. a crazy... Well, we almost had a chance to interview a guy that actually does the art for the, the like no, the first no. issue or two. Um, hopefully that'll still come together. But I was in Asheville like had been camping for like three days and I was just walking down the street and Coheed was playing a show. And, uh, so my buddy was like, Oh, do you want to see him? And I was like, I'm sure they're sold out. Like whatever. I saw him 10 years ago at Canes or something. And I'm walking down the street and this guy walks out and was like, Claudio. Hey man. It's like, Hey, I just want to say, I like really like your band. I've been a fan for a long time. I saw you at Canes with AFI or whatever. He's like, Oh dude, that was a long time ago. Are you coming to the show tonight? And I was like, no, I just got done. I literally looked homeless. Like, like you know, whatever. He's like, let me get your name. I'll put you on the list. I was like, uh, wow. wow. Okay. So yeah. And I went and saw them. It was fine. He was super, super nice. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Then I called all my friends and cried on the phone. <laughs> Claudio knows my name for today. <laughs> for a moment, yeah. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> just a moment. 
Um, <laughs> let's start with who you are and and what you do, because mm-hmm. boy, do I not know. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. No problem. My name's Jamil Jasser. I'm a, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. Um, grew up in Stillwell, Oklahoma, uh, just real close to the heart of where everything happens, uh, you know, where our chiefs are elected and everything. Uh, the family, they were all educators, and uh, then went into um, advocacy and writing grants for impoverished schools throughout Northeast Oklahoma and Northwest Arkansas. And um, that led them to a bunch of studies that influenced my childhood, including uh, preservation of cultural assets um, right. for the tribe. Or, well, not just for the tribe, but for the people, you know. Right. Um, and so I went to NSU and got a good old art degree, really paying off. And uh, um, I did learn a lot of valuable lessons, um, uh, you know, from project management to um, the rules of composition and and how those things play a role in making anything. Um, And this was sort of uh, after I graduated this project where I've started recording um, 21 historic sites in northeast Oklahoma in Cherokee County uh, in 3D with a technique called photogrammetry. And um, it's where you take a bunch of pictures of a, an object right. and then kind of like when you make a panorama, uh, it stitches all those images, right, together, right. images mm-hmm. together. Same concept, but it creates a cloud of dots in space, points in space. And then you can use those to make like a 3D object you'd use in a video game or something like that. Right. I was going to say, so the thing that all of us are like, wait, you can make an action figure of me? You were like, I'm going to do something good for society and the world. <laughs> <laughs> and all the nerds cried a little. <laughs> That's like, what, how, there's so much here. I, literally when you contacted us, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but this sounds really cool. <laughs> like we have, how, what gave you this idea? Are other people doing this? Um, I was just following my curiosity, really. Mm-hmm. I wanted to learn how to integrate um, 3D art techniques into uh, my studio. And I studied painting. But before that, you know, in the early years, whenever you're kind of finding uh, what you're okay at as a kid and what mm-hmm. you're not, um, I did stumble across some 3D programs and stuff. I was always interested, but I didn't have you know, the prerequisites uh, to understand it at all. So took another crack at it. It's going pretty well this time. Awesome. (laughs) Is is this like kind of what they're doing in Assassin's Creed or something? Like when they go take, is that a similar? I'm glad you brought that up actually because Notre Dame caught on fire. Right, right. And um, they're using one of the models from. Aaron and I were watching a movie all night. We were not out of the country. That's our alibi. (laughs) <laughs> Big wink. Okay. Oh, okay. That's your attempt. Back to, to wink, your yeah. story. <laughs> I was blinking with both eyes, but you can only see one. A model right. <laughs> from the Assassin's Creed right. video game series is being used as reference for restoring the parts that were burned. Oh. So I don't know but, if you meant to bring that up. That's, well, I, I mean, that may have been like what connected it in my head, but because I don't know how they're doing it, but I assume they take a bunch of photographs for reference. Mm-hmm. I always assumed they were drawing like digitally drawing from the photographs. Sure. You make it sound like there are there's a, bunch, a computer program that's like... There are more steps for sure. Okay, yeah. What I'm using the photogrammetry for, taking all those pictures, uh, is to gather reference material for one. Um, 
also not just in 2D uh, planes though, but to get like the proportional relationships of the different parts of a building. So if you get one model of it, then you can use it, it, you have there in 3D space like how big this pillar is compared to this window. So right. you don't have to do those kinds mm. of comparisons. You use that as a reference for building a clean model. Okay. That that's worked pretty well. This is a, like a you're basically are you using a camera of sorts with mm -hmm. multiple lenses. Is that right? Oh yeah, I've used a regular DSLR mm -hmm. um, camera. I've used my cell phone uh, to uh, take a scan of a face, uh, and that's worked pretty well. It's a little bumpy, but you can use really uh, primitive cameras. And you know the lenses or the you know the sensors on our cell phones now are really giving DSLRs a run for their money as far as ease of use and everything. Mm -hmm. right. So the cell phone can get the job done if you're willing to put in the modeling time afterwards, clean up. What is it? What is it? What are you mainly using though? Sure. Uh, Blender 3D. It's open source. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that about it. Um, I don't have to pirate it <laughs> to, you know, to do any work. Mm -hmm. uh, so not sponsored. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Officially unsponsored by. Yeah. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, it's a pretty amazing piece of software. You could do uh, you know, something really simple with it, but you could do physics simulations if that was your bag, or um, video editing. Um, you mm -hmm. can do all kinds of things. Um, and I've tried to keep it pretty open source that way. The photogrammetry is really accessible. There are a few different pieces of software you can use to accomplish that. Um, Autodesk has one. Um, and in uh, your podcast where you spoke to the gentleman about making all the sweet armor. Yeah, Dan yeah. Hawkins. Yeah. yeah, That's super, super great episode. Which is Thank what, you. what we thought 3D printing was only capable of. Like I didn't know <laughs> no, I could actually do stuff. important historical things with it. Uh, you're amazing. seeing in archaeology fields. Uh -huh. That's Uni crazy. University of Arkansas hasn't applied 3D printing yet, but they got a grant um, to do some virtual reality, and they just um, did a press release and kind of an open house for people to come in and put on VR headgear to see Spyro Mounds. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. An ancient city in Oklahoma, hmm. um, huge mounds, uh, built with uh, baskets of dirt, you know, people carrying baskets of dirt. A lot of labor. And uh, you can see in VR what that city would have looked like in the 1400s mm. um, based on the last accounts, or the, the first accounts of the cities <laughs> in English, you know, or, that uh -huh. actually, or Spanish. That's a good question. So how, in some of these buildings, we'll assume that there's some deterioration in stuff that you're modeling, right? Correct, correct. These are probably recent enough that you can make pretty good assumptions as to what is missing and kind of fill in those blanks. But what do you do when you get in a spot where you are ultimately kind of guessing? Sure. Uh, your best guess is all you can give uh, in that case. Um, looking for more evidence. Um, you know, photography developed in the late 1800s as far as accessibility goes. And so you do have some photographs of um, these sites in their original condition but you might only have five photographs right. <laughs> to work from. So there is a lot of, um, um, like, uh, you know, spending a lot of time with the photos, comparing them, um, finding clues to uh, their position, you know, the photographer's position. Um, I researched um, focal depths of lenses that were being used early in photography because my 3D camera in the program, I wanted to, if I was modeling based on these old photographs that had this, mm -hmm 
kind of curvature to the lens. Mm -hmm. I wanted to match that curvature if I'm building from that. Um, that worked pretty well. So I'm unclear. Are you then 3D printing these buildings, or is it a virtual tour I can take, or is it a mixture of the a mixture of both for sure? On the website, you uh, well currently there are a few models on the website you can view in 3D. Yeah, um, I looked at yeah, cool. I looked at one of those. I want to I want to put all those on the website for sure. Um, you should be able to download these assets and use them in your own projects. So we have some other artists in um, Tahlequah, the Cherokee County area, or at least from there, who are working in these mediums as well. So I hope that there'll be assets for them, and maybe we can get some animators to do some historical pieces, you know, wow. and have these resources. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the mixture. Uh, and then I, uh, um, on the 18th of May at the Cherokee Heritage Center Museum in... Park Hill, Oklahoma, just outside of Tahlequah. Um, I'll be presenting these models as 3D prints at one of the locations that I'm printing. So that's a nice that's really historical cool. loop. Also, I guess now we know what day this podcast is yeah. coming out. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on the 15th, apparently. So, <laughs> so the show will be up the rest of the summer as well. Okay, um, cool. Until the Cherokee holiday when we have uh, the homecoming art show, I believe is... The one we used? Homecoming was originally in Cherokee Holiday. Is that what you're trying to do? No. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is <laughs> Cherokee Holiday is a big holiday. You guys, well, you guys should be Every down, sports team really, celebrates it in high school. Oh, sure. What, so what... I don't know any it, Cherokee it's true, holidays. It's true. Really, college level, uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't go to college. Uh, <laughs> don't rub this I didn't either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we have a podcast. Yeah. Um, Technical school. What, what holiday is coming up, though? more of that. Yeah, technical that's a training, whole yeah. other conversation. Yeah. Actually. Um, and it's really sad. Okay, so it's running through till which holiday? Till the Cherokee holiday. Um, that's in September 1st. Se September 1st. Gotcha. Hey, <laughs> <thanks>. <laughs> I'm glad you brought them. Very. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now I lost my train of thought. So, okay, so where the show is going to be right. on the 18th, it um, is the site of the former Cherokee National Female Seminary. This was a this is a first school of its kind in the region. Cherokee Nation had been uh, removed by the government uh, a few times, <laughs> and eventually, you know, they were in Park Hill, um, and uh, uh, so they built this place, and uh, Cherokee citizens could um, come. Go take a test and then get tuition for free and learn a trade. And uh, today it'd be the equivalent of a high school diploma. Right. Uh, oh. At the time, that's, that was more or less a higher education. And they studied in all kinds of uh, traditional subjects like physics and literature and uh, formal education. So this place burned to the ground Easter Sunday in, the, in 1887. Um, and uh, there is an article that just came out about uh, some secondhand story about how that might have happened. I'd oh. be happy to go over that later. But this place burned to the ground. There are only three pillars standing um, at this museum. Right. Where And it was built on top of the site. So I'll be showing a 3D model of this building, and we only have like five pictures of the place. Um, and I'm trying to be as accurate as I can based on those. Um, and you should be able to look up while you're seeing the model and see the pillars. Yeah, uh, where they stand, you know, where the school actually stood. So that's looking really forward cool. to that. Has anybody talked about like? Because in this case, you're doing reconstruction, not even preservation, right? Like, 
you're if something building were, something from three something pillars. If something burned down, at least right. we'd have a uh, model well, of it. Yeah. And has anybody talked about building a building based on that reconstruction, right? Like you have that oh. small model you could build back up from. That's an awesome idea. I'd love to have a job being in charge of that project. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, not not yet, not yet. Uh, really, this is the the first um, the f- first time I'll be revealing anything to the public uh, on this project. I've done some press releases and you know released three D models online, um, but I hope that uh, it'll be a popular show. Yeah, what's an amazing idea? Like Daniel talked about it a little bit, and I was like, this, it's so awesome in so many ways to like go in and be able to go around all sides up and over and around. I, I'm thinking anyway, you know, yeah. based on the 3D stuff and to see stuff in a perspective that you'd never been able to via the pictures, you know, let alone something with some depth. Do you try to That's paint awesome. the models or are they just like just by coincidence? Oh, I see. I see. Painting them uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. with an airbrush. No, right. um, for this, uh, the scope of the project. I'm presenting them in one color of filament of, okay. of the plastic. Um, they're all built uh, in different time periods, um, and I thought it would really unify them if we just removed all that gotcha. excess color yeah. and uh, you know stress data uh, and just show the form. Here's what the of structure the was like. Because right. I know that when I went to um, there's like a Native American cultural museum. I forget what the exact name of it is in like Bella Vista and. The thing that shocked me and also shows my ignorance was the amount of color, like just how bright and like big the beadwork was and the color was. And I think when I see like reconstructions of old photographs, you know, you go on Facebook and it's like, here's this photo in color. And you're like, I didn't realize purple was a Western shirt. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. you just, you have this idea that everything's brown and dingy and gray. And then when you finally see something that's brought back, I think you're shocked by like the fact that this color palette isn't this monochromatic thing that you're kind of have been led to believe it was through black and white photographs, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a power and that's, I don't I agree. Know. I, it brings them to life when you see a colorized photo. Yeah. Like, Cause yeah. I think, yeah. you know, like I lived in Albuquerque for a while and everything feels brown, you know, or tan or whatever, but then, um, that's not necessarily how everything was. Do you know what the coloring of these, I mean, were they generally monochromatic or were they more colorful structures? Do you know? Sure. If it was wood, then it was going to be painted with whatever colors were available. Right. And they were limited palettes in the late 1800s. I'm no expert. I just heard a, <laughs> heard a few things. You um, should go to this museum. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of it? Yeah. In Belisa. <laughs> we can go together. Yeah, we should. We'll make a trip. Field trip. Pretty sure it was free. <laughs> well. Uh, uh, the 3D models that are going to be released on the website, however, are fully textured, um, ready to use, you know. Yeah. So. What you okay? So you kind of said when you started, like how you got into this, um, but you went to school. Like, what is your end goal with modeling this stuff? Like, why? Mm-hmm. What is driving you to do this project? Because this is a lot of work, and it yeah. seems it's a lot of work. You're the only person I've ever heard of even doing it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's part well, of you it. and the Assassin's Creed team. But otherwise, mm-hmm. that's little known fact. Part of it in itself is needing a uh, needing subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in the search for what am I going to do. Um, that was definitely part of it. Um, but I'm going to be living in the area for a long time, and um, uh, I have uh, a lot of I know a lot of artists from mm-hmm. the area, 
And I think that it's something that's going, that they're going to appreciate. There's a filmmaker in uh, the Cherokee Nation, and you know, oh my gosh. Oh, Sterling Harjo. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Sterling you're the only Harjo. person to ever bring notes. Yeah. So this no, is, I, you're the most prepared human being we've ever had, apparently. <laughs> I got 17 days to go to the show. I, everything <laughs> is on a list. Um, uh, Sterling Harjo, I think, and if I have this wrong, somebody will correct me. Um, said that uh, we see a lot of media about Native Americans made for a non-Native audience. Right. But we don't see a lot of content made for a Native audience. Mm -hmm. And so that was really motivating in making this. This is something that, you know, Cherokee citizens will appreciate. And hopefully they'll see something like this, experimental like this, and they'll um, do something similar. Or, you know, their own thing. Right. Well, I I mean, I think seeing like your history in any kind of tangible physical way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just went to Europe and I've got a little bit of Irish and everybody does. Right. But just to see kind of like where Western culture just in general had come from that alone. And to see like some really old, really old structures in Ireland and stuff was, it is a moving experience, you know, to be there and to see it. So I think it's really cool that you're giving people that opportunity. I think one thing that you said that was really just like, I think the ability to walk around an ancient city in VR, right? Like that, like virtually being placed there because we're so out of touch with the scope and scale of things. You know, you've only ever seen it in a picture in a book or yeah, in a paragraph is described in words. Right. So I think that are the, that actually, that brings up a good point. Are the structures in scale to each other or are they all in the show? They'll vary by importance to the history of Cherokee County, as far as a 3D uh, print. So your parents' scale. house is going to be huge, but then the school is going to be like <laughs> the, train track size. The, yeah. the mural home, uh, formerly, well, it was colloquially, that was a tough word to say with a <laughs> microphone in front of you, colloquially known as uh, Hunter's Home. Um, and it was built by a man named Mural. And so it has been called the mural home anyway. Uh, it's still standing, built in the same era as the school that burned down. Right. Um, and so I really focused on it. A lot of effort has gone into restoring that site as well. It was a plantation-style home. Um, you know, they kept livestock on it. And so I believe that the um, Cherokee Histor- National Historical Society even has, like, live chickens and goats and livestock on, on there. People living there and working the land. So that's pretty cool. Everybody knows this place. It's... Uh, Pretty central to gotcha. our history. Yeah, there's another place that's very cool in Tahlequah called Franklin House. Everybody calls it the castle, and uh, it has turrets and it is made of um, you know cobblestone and you know mortar. It looks wild. Uh, uh, just kind of really sticks out uh, from the green trees, and it's up on a hill. And it's downtown. Everybody loves it. I'm very excited to print that one <laughs> at school. How long does it take you to print? Like, what is the size of one of these buildings, I guess, like on average? So, like, let's say a single-piece model uh, that you could fit in a nine-inch cube box, right? Right. Uh, So that might... You could print that in 24 hours at a very low resolution. Mm -hmm. Um, But the mural home I have is a sectional that you're assembling, and so it has been... A thousand hours so far, maybe. <laughs> you know, and wow. uh, I've learned a lot. Your printer is uh, really close to being an expert at what it does. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really counting down the ten thousand yep. hours. It's putting in the reps. <laughs> yep. That's right. 
That's right. This is my first 3D printer, by the way. This has what been a rather on? ambitious project. Uh, a Zincabot Orca 2. It's a Chinese printer. It's pretty reliable. I did my research. Right. Um, and it's stood up to the tests I've, I've run it through so far. Um, I'm happy with it. The only thing about buying a 3D printer... Um, from another country is you have to wait for their business hours yeah. to get any response. Oh. So. Wake up at 1 a.m. and like, okay, I'm ready to order. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Yes, this is really, you really dove in. Like I think there, yeah. you know, mine came with a test pencil holder and I just started there and <laughs> ended there. That was really the extent of my 3D printing. Oh, oh cool. You have, you have a 3D printer? Yeah. Awesome. It's, I don't use it for anything, you should, but you yeah. I should, but then I see people like you, and I'm like, I shouldn't. I just shouldn't, because <laughs> um, I would nice. not be preserving yeah. history. I'd be like making action figures of myself. <laughs> Here's a Charizard, right? Well, that's important too. Um, is it though? Uh, so, okay, I'm still. I think the number of steps that happens here. Let me see if I have this correct. Sure. So, you may or may not be able to take photographs but you're obtaining photographs in one way or another mm -hmm. of a structure from that you then start drawing a model in that 3d modeling program mm -hmm. in blender 3d in blender 3d then from there from there you take it into whatever uh program you're using to get the file ready for your 3d printer Right, so, to like slice it or whatever. Correct. But then you still have to print it. Because I'm just, there's a lot of steps here. Sure. Right? Like there's photography. There's an understanding of architecture in general. I mean, this isn't like we are kind of glossing over the fact that there's really, or I feel like we are. Sure. Glossing I'd be happy over to, the, the number of I'd be <laughs> happy to describe of, those steps. Uh, yeah. if, if, I, if the site's still standing, I'd prefer my own photographs. Right. And then I'll go down and, or I've gone down and I'll circle the building. I don't have a drone. So uh, um, I have relied on, you spoke of budget earlier, uh, Google Maps, their satellite oh, yeah, pictures, yeah. you can figure out what kind of roofs on a building and what kind of <laughs> shingles they would have had, you know? Right. Uh, so I relied on that and then just um, procedurally made the textures, you know, uh, match what kind of roof it'd be. Um, so you take the photographs um, and then you can run it through a program that makes a point cloud and then that will make a mesh. A mesh okay. is where you've just connected all those points and giving them little pieces of uh, fabric, we'll say. Little like you've polygons. seen it in the behind the scenes on a movie when yeah. you're doing the special effects and you see the kind of wire figure guy, right? Right. Like, okay. So you have that and it's really messy usually. And so you'll just start with some primitive objects like cubes or cylinders, uh, things that are common in this kind of architecture, and just start going at it and start drawing that 3D object. And um, uh, luckily that guide you've created via photogrammetry makes the process pretty quick. You can at least rough in um, the proportions of the building. And then from there, you can focus on your problem areas or your more complex modeling. When you're building something from three pillars, mm -hmm. you're having to do research, like just written accounts, right? And then the photographs that you have. Right. But I do you have a background in architecture at all, or have you read a lot about that? No, I did study uh, drawing and painting in college. Mm -hmm. um, uh, observational drawing, those skills I learned have been 
Uh, you know, I could, couldn't have done this without those skills. Proportional uh, comparisons, just being able to hold up your finger or pencil and compare the length of two objects from where you're standing. Right. That, that has uh, aided in constructing a building when I don't have a lot of evidence to work right. from. And mm-hmm. just the general rules of perspective and uh, focal depth of lenses in some cases, like that. Um, but most of the sites are still there. Only one of the places is burned down, thankfully. Right. <laughs> what would be yeah. the next step after? I mean, at some point, you will have modeled most of these structures, right? Right. But you've developed a really specific skill set, it seems like, and a valuable one. Like, I'd like to expand it into yeah. um, uh, recording more historic sites within the jurisdiction of the Cherokee Nation. Right. And then I'd be uh, totally into uh, doing this with other tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also like to apply these techniques to preservation of artifacts or pieces of art, uh, even pieces of art that are being made now, I think would, it'd be really interesting to digitize them and to bring them to people that way because uh, it might be off on the road somewhere, this, yeah. this piece of like art. When they have like an Egyptian tour or something like being able to write, if they take at King Tut's thing through. Thing or, around yeah, at least spin the thing around. That'd <laughs> yeah. be cool. So, all right, here's the ignorance moment. I feel like the Cherokee Nation at one point was rather large and spread over a big area. That's right. All, uh, all across how, the nation, all the way to California. Okay, so from... Mm-hmm. But our... our uh, how far east to California? Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, like North Carolina, Tennessee, that area. Okay, so like the whole thing over. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, pretty much the <laughs> I was whole like, nation. I feel like at one point the Cherokee Nation was rather like covered a large portion. That's right. Um, Through, throughout the Trail of Tears, you know, people have... Some people moved before the Trail of Tears because right. they just knew that... Well, this is going to happen. Let's just go ahead and get ahead of the train here. And then uh, some other people stopped along the way. Some people were able to hide um, and didn't have to leave uh, because they lived in these mountainous areas and right. they knew the land and could hide out. And uh, th- thank goodness we have a rich uh, Cherokee Nation down in uh, North Carolina. You know, uh, seems like the, uh, you know, Pilgrimage, the pilgrimage right. for everybody who lived in Tahlequah, sort of. And I, I don't know if that's true for the people who are out west about coming to Tahlequah or anything. Right. But we have like nearly 80,000 people flood our town every year at Cherokee Holiday. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. But all, wow. like the scope of that just means to me, you could have a lifetime of work. Yeah. In just recording just the Cherokee history structurally, right? Like just the mm-hmm. structures of the, of the Cherokee tribe nation. Right. I don't know the correct... Yeah, the tribes get okay. the nation. We are a nation. We're a sovereign nation. Right. We have our own government. We make um, decisions about how we live and stuff like that. Right. Which is super cool. Yeah. yeah. I think, and I think it's really cool that you're preserving this history and passing it forward. Because even, I think even for other cultures, this is a valuable resource to have because that stuff does eventually slip away. You know, mm-hmm. you eventually lose it. And I think it's cool that you've, Figured sure. out a way to record. If everybody this did thing. this all over the world, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. awesome. And we wouldn't have to go to Assassin's Creed to fix That's stuff. Right. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. That's right. you imagine that? It's so crazy. How long have you been doing like this from start, where you had sure. the idea? And uh, well, I've been studying three D stuff, uh, like giving it a real college try for about five years, six years. I guess six years now. Um, and then it's been about two years in the making for this show mm-hmm. and uh, finding project partners and funding. This is a grant-funded um, project, 
the Mid-America Arts Alliance, I should probably mention that, yeah. uh, is uh, kind of sponsored by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, let me just make sure I ha- include all of the states who the Mid-America Arts Alliance covers. Yeah, cool. So uh, it's made up of the uh, cultural organizations and, and art arts organizations throughout Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, and beyond, they say here. <laughs> but but those I are the primary Texas states. was all of the beyond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't want to go beyond that, maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the Creative Capital Grant. It was It's really cool. They're a really great organization. And the Oklahoma Visual Arts Coalition out of Oklahoma City, they also funded the program. Um, and some of the, Mid- the Mid-America Arts Alliance, their funding comes from uh, the National Endowment for the Arts. So it's been... A, Success as far as all that goes. So there right. is some kind of a, a apparent. I, I got I got the grant and it was sort of like a very encouraging. Right. And so I really dove in then and meant I got to purchase a 3D printer. So. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want a 3D printer? They well, did. Aaron, Aaron yeah. doesn't want. No, a 3D I want printer, one. <laughs> it's just one of those. So, I've got a lot of things going. So, so it, uh, you know. what came first? The skill set to do the project or the idea for the project? It's all at the same time, for sure. Flying by the seat of my pants here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, That's how I, apparently, my creative process is to just uh, say, oh, I'm kind of into this. Oh, no, wait, I'm really into this. I'm going to, I don't know how to swim, so let's go right to that diving board and then get back to the shallow side. Yeah. So I go into the deep end, and then I'm like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. you got to, you got to finish so so i mean you kind of had the idea and then just started figuring out how to make it happen yeah and then uh, you know you keep adding ideas and you're like oh well that's gonna have to perhaps that one will have to wait a few years before i can do that one but then some of them stick and it gets a little meatier um the research side of this project has uh really been a, a lot of work right but it, it's been enjoyable i like history um it hasn't been nearly as difficult to learn the 3D printing side. I think it's fairly accessible. It's gotten better, yeah. Just spend a little time, right? And you can make something cool, and then make the next thing, and so on. Kind of once you dial in your printer, yeah, and know how it functions, then you're. That's not as bad, I don't think. How well recorded is the like architectural history of the Cherokee Nation? Uh, not not a. I haven't found a great number of resources. There are good descriptions um, on the National Register of Historic Places for some of our sites. Mm -hmm. The Oklahoma Historical Society also has some descriptions, uh, but they are, you know, paragraphs or pages of words and uh, or still photographs. Um, So I hope that I'm presenting it in more dynamic media will be uh, sort of a, at least a, a fad for a little bit. That'd be yeah. at least that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. Well, maybe you can hope that like through doing this, people say, "Why well, I think I've got a picture of that," you know, and kind of oh, come out true. of the woodwork. Crowdsourcing, you know, like, right? Very good. Saying, "Hey, do you have an image of this?" You know, regardless of where it was taken. Have you crowdsourced point? very much uh, through Facebook um, and through the website? I've definitely asked, but uh, mm-hmm. I, well, the um, the story about how the female seminary burned down came to me through that. Oh, really? I got that article that way. How, you did allude to that. So how, how did this happen? We're at the 
ish point. Ish point. The ish mash. Ish ma- Ishmael. Ishmael. Ooh. Ooh. Call me ish point. <laughs> Call me ish point. Um, I love this guy. Yeah, I really do. Fun. I can't wait to. We need to take that road trip. Uh huh. Um, and go see his exhibit in Tahlequah. Uh-huh. I think that'd be totally. Yeah, it starts. Uh, I believe the same week this episode comes out. Yeah. So that weekend. Well, yeah, this episode release. If you're listening to it on the day it releases, it'll be this Saturday. So it's the 18th, right? 18th. Um, and it's in Tahlequah, and it. Anyway. You he should gets definitely into it, go, yeah. yeah. And uh, at some point, you and Heather and I should take a road mm-hmm. trip out there and I, take some photos. It's fair. I, I want to see it. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, once again, we want to thank you guys for listening to the show, mm-hmm. supporting the show. Please subscribe uh, now and share with your friends. If you can, support us for as little as a dollar a month on patreon.com. Mm-hmm. That uh, The outpouring of support that we got at the start of the year has really helped us be able to plan things a little bit differently going forward. Um, And, and we're really looking at kind of trying to get to, I had a conversation not too long ago with a producer recording engineer out of Chicago about maybe taking over editing. And that would allow us to put the show out more regularly Mm -hmm. as well. And so it's, as we get that kind of support from you guys in, it allows us to kind of look at those things in the future and Mm -hmm. think about what we can do with the show in the future. We love making the show. It's so Mm -hmm. much fun. And we have so many people we want to talk to. Yeah. Um, and, and different things that we want to do. And thank you guys for making it possible for us to do all this. We, I, it's, we can't talk about it enough. I mean, Mm -hmm. really, because it's, it's humbling and it's great and it's nice to believe that someone believes in this idea that we've had and, you know, it's coming to fruition. And it's fun to find mm-hmm. people like Jamil. Oh, I yeah. never thought this thing would nope. exist. Like, if you told me, like, what he does is a thing, I'd be like, do what? You know, like, yeah. just, it, <laughs> yeah, it was when, crazy. When, uh, when you approached, like, we had talked about it, and I was like, well, yeah, let's have him on, yeah. you know? And it, were, it, it's been, it's been great. This, yeah. this episode was so, it went by so fast. Yeah. So it's, easy. It, Yep. It's been great. So we thank you guys for letting us find people thank like you. Jamil mm-hmm. or put us in a position where actually he found us really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been great, but thank you guys for everything. Thank you. Subscribe, share with your friends. Can't wait to see you at death ray expo. Yeah. Can't um, wait. Oh, and bel- not belated, but I do want to say happy mother's day to my wife who allows us to record at the house way too often <laughs> in the middle of the week Yeah, and quietly shepherds my kids around mm-hmm. and through the house. Um, so Thanks, honey. You, Thank you, Caroline. You legitimately make this show mm-hmm. very possible. Well, people like you make this show possible. <laughs> you are the person that makes right. this show possible. LOL. But, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I do want to say that. But yeah, good job. Otherwise, back to Jamil. Back at it. The story about how the female seminary burned down came to me through that. Oh, really? I got that article that way. How, you did allude to that. So how, how did this happen? <laughs> Allegedly. It sounds yeah. tawdry. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was just some old geezer in a rocking chair smoking his pipe, and he just tapped it on his hand a few too many times, I guess, and he's at the edge of the porch. whole place went up. The male seminary didn't burn down until 1910, and it's not registered on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, and I didn't mention, I did use that to help define the scope of which buildings I'd be recording, because there are some other sites that haven't been declared yet, um, for example, Rose Cottage is another site that burned to the ground, and it was an act of violence. It's a juicy bit of our history. Um, I'd point Do you. Tell. I'd point you towards. <laughs> I'd point you towards some literature for the for the whole story, um, but it had to do with this 
a Confederate general named Stan Wadey, who a portion of the Cherokee Nation uh, tended to follow. And then our chief at the time was John Ross. Um, and he was off, I believe, in D.C., you know, uh, arguing with the government. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, while he was away, Stan Wadey burned down Rose Cottage. Oh. Was with, that a residence of John Ross's? I like, believe he built that for his daughter while okay, she so was attending was the seminary. It was very personal. Purposeful, personal and, attack. And on all that. this stuff built up along the Trail of Tears and all those negotiations and, uh, you know, violated treaties and everything. Right. Uh, I'd, I'd point you towards books for all of that again. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I don't want to get anything wrong. But we did get some of the juicy details. What would it's, what would qualify one of these to be a historical place, and what does it take for them to become that? You know, is it like it has to be twenty five years old? You have to have another operating building that you. Oh, that's antique cars. That's, <laughs> <laughs> the site you have to have some reason that uh, you're declaring it. It can be for historical importance, architectural importance. Um, I'm sure there are a couple more reasons. Uh, you have to be willing to. Uh, Stick to some guidelines often, like uh, if it's a, I don't know if how true it is in Oklahoma, but just in Eureka Springs, we took a trip, yeah, and we were um, we were talking to them about their old buildings. They have some really old buildings, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and their NRHP sites. They have to use the paints that you used in the time period, the wallpaper, everything, yeah. Uh, and it seems a little more lax in Oklahoma, I will, I will admit. So you actually mentioned that earlier that the Cherokee Nation is a sovereign nation separate from, right? But the buildings sound like they're on the U.S. national. Right. So like, it seems like the Cherokee Nation could just declare whatever it wanted to for itself, oh. right? Within reason? Uh, well, since it's a federal uh, entity, I don't know if they'd be able to do that. But uh, the the a lot of these properties have changed hands a lot of times uh, over the past hundred years. So it could be important to the Cherokee Nation, but not actually be the Cherokee Nation's property. Correct. Now, for example, uh, Northeastern State University's Seminary Hall was constructed to replace the female seminary by the tribe. Gotcha. Uh, it became the state's property in the 1900s, early 1900s sometime, I believe, when it became Northeastern State Normal College. Uh, Is Oklahoma pretty open to, like, getting the Cherokee Nation's buildings onto the registry, though? That seems, like, pretty important to preserve. Um, So uh, I haven't asked anybody at the tribe, but uh, there are some other people uh, who own some properties that belong on the registry for well i, I don't want to mention long uh, like they should be on the they registry, should be on there not, yeah, or, yeah okay this belongs in a museum yeah <laughs> thank you indy yeah. or it yeah. could just be a museum <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh and it's really about the owner you know um how much they're willing to put in like um if you're going to restore a place um you can only write off uh, i believe 20 percent of whatever you're putting into it so mm, oh. there could be more payoff you there know. was an issue with that house on the hill off Washington. Like it was really, really old, and they were somebody was going to tear it down. Somebody went on the historic registry, but it costs like three times the worth of the house to do anything to it. And yeah. it just, it was a huge deal. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense that like, especially the owner might not want to be on the registry because it would incur so much cost. They might not even yeah. be able to live there. Well, and try to try to use the materials that were available at that time. There's some friends of mine that live next to the Cane Hill College. 
and that's their home is like a three story and it's like that's you have cool. to use these things to get it up to this for it to be able to be on this registry and what's the benefit of being uh, on the registry uh i know that's your site is your, your site will be there are no guarantees that your site will be protected or anything like that i i don't really know <laughs> <laughs> there don't seem to be Maybe any benefits. As dumb as I thought, there don't seem to be any benefits other than you, you know you, you write off twenty percent on the wall. Right, right. Wow. There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of resources out there for people to be declaring these sites. You know, no funding or anything. Now, Cane Hill, uh, they've received a lot of funding recently, yeah. right? Yeah, good restoration mm-hmm. project. I, I haven't gone out yet, but uh, I want to learn how to make sorghum, the mm-hmm. sugar cane mm-hmm. sugar. What for, is Cane Hill? It's there's a college there. That's right. Oh. There's still a college around there, the but same. It's not a, but it's been there for a long time, mm-hmm. and it was built. Uh, I hope I get this story right too. Uh, I believe it was built by a, a man because uh, he wanted his daughter to have an education as well, mm-hmm. and uh, there were no uh, resources available out here, you know. So he just he just built one and brought him a teacher down from New York or something. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, fancy bands. It's, it's a pretty cool place. I haven't been since they've done a lot of this stuff to it, but I've been to the Cane Hill days before, mm-hmm. years ago. I think that's what it's called. Anyway. Is there talk of trying to get your exhibit into permanent? Not like, yet, but like I've, in, some I've invited of... some people to the show who I hope might be interested in it in, from the Oklahoma Historical Society. That's going to take some funding, like I'm sure, or whatever. Because mm-hmm. we have a museum here that's really small, but the Shiloh Historic Museum, and it seems like the kind of thing that they, right, like there's got to be a museum in Tahlequah or near there that does kind of that local history yeah. thing. They're always right? smaller places. Yeah. Or small buildings. And it seems like that would be. That's a good idea, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, next year, I hope to go on to... Uh, some of the smaller counties, um, closer to where our stomping grounds. My my, my wife's from uh, Sequoia County. I'm from Adair County. Those are those are pretty backwoods. Uh, <laughs> we you could say whatever you wanted to right now, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. I don't know any of the counties in Oklahoma. <laughs> I know I'm Adair not from County. Arkansas originally, so mm-hmm. I don't. Even, I barely know the counties here. <laughs> they're they're smaller. They have fewer sites than Cherokee County, and I'd like to maybe combine the smaller counties, uh, and mm-hmm. go that direction. And now the Larger counties, I could probably tell you exactly how many, but there's something like a hundred historic sites in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Wow! And more than that in Tulsa. So let's see. You're like a real historian. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm faking it. I'm faking it. I know. One, I know. It's can just we get one a picture of, of like the wall of binders? <laughs> Papers falling she, yeah. off the shelves. And she got me a big dry erase board for my for Christmas. It was for Christmas. Does it Christmas. flip over and there's another board on the back? And this it's like this Christmas. <laughs> this coming this Christmas. Oh. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I didn't even include Tulsa County in my notes here because it's like, well, that's like ten years from now. So, uh, but there are over a hundred sites there. You know, man, it would. I could never do it on my own. I hope at that point I'll have a budget where I could pay some people to. You know, go canvas the city. Right. A, an army of drones. <laughs> and d- does each one of these buildings get like a little copy, you know, a little paragraph placard or whatever that tells you? So you have to do all that as well. Yeah. Like kind of summarize this building's history. Correct. And I'll be projecting a lot of this media too in a little presentation that'll all be on the website along with, you know, the project's materials. Uh, but yeah, there'll be little info plaques about what you're looking at too. Oh, that's actually another. 
So some of these buildings probably actually changed over time, right? Like they started as one room and then they added a room and whatever. How do you pick which era of that building you're going to preserve as the thing you're passing forward to future generations? Because that may become the definitive... There's been a cabin. It's one of the earliest structures built in Tahlequah, Lozier Cabin. And uh, I didn't even know it was there until I started doing this project. It's right off of campus. Can't believe I've never seen it. Um, like something from Tuck Everlasting or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or Prairie Grove Battle Park. Yeah. <laughs> Battlefield, get it right. Oh, right. yeah. They said Battle Park. You said Battle Park. Well, it's yeah. like it has rides after the battle. You what? get rides? Like a roller coaster. They need that. No. <laughs> they do need it. It does not. You, you can, can roll down the hill. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. If you can hear anything after the I used to do living cannons. histories there, actually. Yeah. I was a Civil War reenactor back in the day for a little oh, while. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Little known fact. Cool. Very little. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. wow. And I live there. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, Lozier Cabin, um, you know, it, they there have been some repairs to it that aren't period specific from you know when it was constructed so um yeah i edited those out but uh the american legion hut which was built during the works progress administration uh that's right works progress administration wpa which employed millions of americans during the great depression uh, artists uh unemployable males is how I read one description of it. I thought that was a little insensitive. Wow. <laughs> Just because they're painters. Or describes Aaron and I. <laughs> well, unemployable. Speak for yourself, yeah. <laughs> the American Legion Hut has a, uh, an addition uh, onto its, uh, on the back. Um, and I'll probably leave that one because uh, it's kind of a recent building, you know. It's right. still in use and everything. That's how everybody knows it. The uh, armory uh, was built in the, under the same program, um, and it used to have a four-car or f- a four-car garage, I suppose. Uh, you know, big garage doors for those right. personnel transport vehicles. Um, and now that wall is covered and uh, doesn't have the garage doors anymore. Um, and I ultimately decided to leave those off because um, any of these kinds of changes, if anybody complains, uh, that I need to make um, can be added to the files on the website. That's right. another beautiful thing about this kind of transference of information is that um, you can change it. <laughs> you know, you can yeah. make updates. Other people might be able to uh, I guess also. that's true. You could even, on the digital files have a progression of the building as it was added onto or whatever sure. you could go through the eras of a thing. That would be cool. I didn't think about that. Like a time lapse of like, you know, time ticking by and it's building it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work, but it yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. We should do that. That's, you know, uh, in the future when you have other people. Everything you've said sounds like a lot of work, so right yeah. I don't think we're redefining <laughs> your scope of work. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the the most recent construction that you would consider preserving like like worth worth registering like time wise for you like uh, how how where would i cut how it off recent would yeah where would where would be your cutoff point in you know what i mean sure man uh well i would said garage which makes me think like we're getting into the 1900s sure, time is moving like, along yeah, yeah motor vehicles they've been around a while <laughs> at this they point have, but yeah. we're still in the but yeah, and the, I, I don't know whenever uh, exactly when they covered those garage doors up. Um, but the city now owns the armory, and it's used as a municipal center for right. everybody. 
Um, I don't know. That's a good question. If a building was constructed as a replica um, of a lost site, I would even say I would I would be gutsy enough to go ahead and apply right to the NRHP probably <laughs> say, hey man, I know it's not the original structure, but it, this is now historically significant, right? And it's as close as we're ever going to get to having the place. Mm. I'd probably, that'd be the only, only case for like any new structures. Gotcha. Everything we have is pretty much on the NRHP, except for the lost side of Rose Cottage and um, the women's seminary, right? Because that wouldn't be on there. Uh, it, it is. It is the on The three columns are on there? Uh, yep. The site uh, where the museum stands today is on Oh, because they built the over the. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And so is Seminary Hall, the building that, uh, you know, replaced the lost site. Uh, one of the the guy who built the place, he built a house just adjacent to campus, and it's also uh, one of the subjects here in the exhibit um, uh, called Rosamund. That's the name of the house. That's a pretty cool name for a house. I've kind of fixated on that one a little bit, probably because of the name. Uh, also, but, when did we quit naming buildings? Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. We need I to start agree. naming stuff more. Mm-hmm. You came we'll, up with nicknames. We'll care about them more if we yeah. do. If we name them. Yeah. I'm just going to start doing that. I'm going to name my house Pinky. Good one. Just like cars. I mean, people used to name cars. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. Actually, my dad, the first car I remember as a kid was Pinky. (laughs) Because it was pink. It's a terrible name. But anyway, thanks for trying to make me feel better about it. (laughs) My my computer's name is Vera. So you do name stuff. Well, mainly just my cool stuff. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like you play guitar. What's your guitar's name? Oh, I don't have a name for a guitar. I stopped playing music uh, when I started going to art school. (laughs) Does that make sense? I didn't have time. I also didn't go to class a lot. But (laughs) (laughs) what did you do with your time? Right. Here we go. The school of life. The school of life. There you go. That's that's what it was. Um, Shouldn't have gone so early for sure. But I'm glad that it all worked out how it did because... Northeastern State University's art program is really good, especially if you want to learn how to draw and paint. Mm-hmm. Really good program. Um, and those skills, I'd like to talk about drawing a little bit, um, how important they are to daily life. Uh, I uh, try to use it as much as possible to describe uh, things to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly write things down a lot, uh, you know, don't have a choice. I have a choice. Got to use words. But um, if I can, uh, I try to draw something. And I think that drawing is a teachable skill. It's something that you can learn just like reading and writing. Keep talking. For example, <laughs> I can. I can give you a lesson right now. There, did you know there are only three lines that you can draw? Three types of line? A squiggly line. Yeah. A dotted line. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, call, s- we'll say four. Dash. A straight line. A straight line, a curvy mm. line. And the other one is a uh, S curve. Oh yeah, S curve, a C curve, and a straight line. Those are the those are the three. Uh, whenever I do like art lessons with uh, young youngins, <laughs> that's what I teach them. You can't mess up because those are the only three lines you can use. Is this a C curve? Is this an S curve? Is this a straight line? You mm-hmm. start there. I promise your drawing's going to improve. And if you work on it every day. Maybe tell yourself you can't write this with words or that with words. I can't promise. Draw. draw it out. Yeah, I feel like you out. only listened to one episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with practice, well, you Daniel know what? gets. Better. We'll catch up later, Jamil. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of 
Well, I'm kind busy of guy. unfounded busy faith. Guy. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just need someone to believe in you. No, uh, in school. You need to believe in you. When we <laughs> are. call um, my mom and see where that belief went. <laughs> did you guys go to public school too? Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So when you're in school, you're encouraged constantly, uh, in fact, prodded to learn to read and write, right? Mm-hmm. You can't live without it. Um, nobody does that with drawing. You know, at some point, so people stop saying, oh, you're so good at that. Uh, they don't say, okay, here's the next step. Because nobody knows how to draw. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody does know how to read and write. Um, so anybody can help somebody sound out a word. If more people knew how to draw and, uh, you know, if it was encouraged more early on, then I don't think it would be nearly as a uh, sort of mystical uh, ability or anything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get that kind of reaction from I, it. I think sure. you actually bring up a really good point with drawing and just kind of that saying it's overused, but a picture is worth a thousand words. But how much can be yeah. communicated just in what I do daily? Um, today we were talking about moving some product around. A, I work in retail and moving product around a store. And sometimes you just find yourself like, I'm going to get a map and draw this and show you where, right? Because you're trying to describe locations of things relative to each other. And that gets really, that's a complex paragraph of information, right? When you can Mm -hmm. just draw the relations to each other. And I think. And yeah, if you're using it to communicate with other people, you're going to run into a lot of issues there with learning styles and everything like what did you just say to me? Like when right. you give some right. directions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you text it out or write it out. It could be misinterpreted. But if you have it yeah. just pretty much laid out, you yeah. can do it. Like instructions, most of the time you just look at the pictures. Yeah. I not agree. the words. Unless it's like, what? Well, you can skim. <laughs> That's usually I mean, to, what I do. Well, but it's, Lego at one point was hired by Ikea because Lego is considered kind of one of the best like instructions <laughs> makers wow. in the world. That's brilliant. And Ikea was getting a lot of flack, I think, at one point for kind of like the complexity of their instructions. And so they went to Lego because Lego uh, can do it with no... There's not a single word in a Lego instruction book. That's universal. When you start... Yeah. yeah. There's no translations that have to happen. There's no... True. And I I have noticed that they have... Although if you're colorblind, this isn't helpful. Are but you? They've started using, no, I'm not. But oh. they've started using like multiple colors and in internal structures so that it's easier to see where things are meeting each other because that sometimes was a complication back in the day with Legos. So they've even refined their visual language yeah. to be more nuanced mm, so it's cool. easier to pick up. You know, like that's really, I think all that just makes your point, you know, stronger or whatever. But So what do you carry with you like everywhere you go? Other than a notebook, sure. spiral notebook. I have a bunch of stuff in my car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, something. Uh, it's always good to have something to measure with. Um, that comes up more often than you think. Your phone does that now with an app. Oh, that's true. It's true. It's it's somewhat reliable. Yeah, it's okay. It's got to be as good as holding your thumb up and saying, "Well, it's a uh, my that pillar is as tall as my thumb." If you want a numerical <laughs> value, it might be better than that. But if you want accuracy <laughs> in thumbs. like the relationship, then then the mm-hmm. thumb is pretty useful. Gotcha. Um, we need to yeah, hang I'm out more. Tape measure. <laughs> I'm gonna hang out with Jamil and become a real artist, and then come back. I'm gonna take a sabbatical. Yeah, come hang out. All right, come hang out. There you go. A lot of art in Tahlequah. You guys should come hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else do I carry with me? Oh, my wallet actually is a tape measure and it has, um, conversion tables on it for like, you know, uh, metric to empiric, 
Imperial? Imperial. Wait, your wallet is a tape measure and has conversion tables on it? Yeah, yeah. We have to get a photo of this wallet. I didn't mean to send her outside, but I just meant later we can take a photo or whatever. But sure. that is sound, literally sounds like the coolest event. That's like mm-hmm. a straight-up Jimmy DeResta thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, called a Mighty Wallet. A guy from the Met in New York invented them, and they're mm-hmm. printed on international shipping material. Uh, you know, like the... Really tough stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's crazy. That's super cool. So if like one of my kids wanted to get in to something like this, mm-hmm. which I sort of feel like you just kind of created your own field. Like um Build a and job. I think that's another conversation that's actually funny. almost like uh oh it's Dude. like a duct tape wallet, but super yeah. cool. What twenty dollars? <laughs> <laughs> What's that over there? There's not twenty dollars okay, in there. I see. Just so it's like a, <laughs> it's like a ruler. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got the conversion. You get centimeters, Man, you got things. inches, you got conversions. It's pretty handy. Dude. Totally. Yeah. Like you said what it was made of, and I I like the texture, the feel. Yeah, that's I've had to learn to use the Imperial measurement system mm. in this project, and it's been awesome. I recommend it. It's way easier. Oh, the angle gauge. Mm-hmm. I would just use that in the shop all the time. My pot noose. I can read and say that. <laughs> anyway, so if if, if your kids want to, yeah, get if my into kids want to like get this. into this, but I almost want to change that question sure. to your. What is your advice on somebody just having an idea and wanting to execute that? Like, what what motivates you? What resources do you use? How do you go about that? Because I really feel like you've kind of created something whole cloth, it seems like. Cool, thanks. Uh, well, yeah, come up with your rough idea and then identify all the problems. And uh, the first problem you're going to have is, how am I going to pay for this? And... Uh, <laughs> So, Fair point. So mm-hmm. figure that one out. And um, I've uh, really uh, worked to look for grants. Um, just keep a running list of them. Um, you can, if you have an idea and it's specific, and you work on the idea uh, first, then you'll be able to find a grant for it, probably. Uh, if not, then it'll just be some kind of adjustment you're going to make to the project. Because grant writing is its own... Fee- I mean, there are people you hire to write grants for things. I don't think it's that hard. I think you anybody can do it. You are a genius. That's- <laughs> <laughs> you write down what you want to do, how much it's realistically going to cost. It's like making a business plan right. just for one project. Um, mm-hmm. And then you don't ask for very much. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're not. Uh, if you want to ask for a lot of money, then you have to have a, a resume that shows that you've done that scope of work. If you weren't responsible with that mm-hmm. kind of a budget, right. yeah, right. you show you've done something like that before. Right. I, I'd worked with some nonprofits, and I had some evidence of the work I was doing, some renders of these 3D models that I was able to send along. Right, and I had the degree, and the combination of those things was enough to kind of help. Yeah, and I had some project partners in town. The Arts Council of Tahlequah, they co-sponsored. Um, you have to have a local arts organization with this particular grant um, that's funding this project. You have to have some kind of partner, right? You know, somebody to back you up. So, do you think after the first grant, it's easier 
and easier and easier to build on that. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I'll have yeah. enough evidence from this first round to, um, you know, do a bigger, bigger, better version right. too. Yeah. There's proof in the pudding, so to speak. Like, hopefully. This is it. Yeah. And it's an awesome proof thing. in the printing area. Right. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm stealing Print that. a pudding. Yeah. yeah. Proof, proof in the printing. We just gave you a t shirt idea. Yep. That's right. Hashtag. We have to have one good idea to show. Proof in the printing. Yeah. Proof in the printing. Like you writing book. all these down? Nope. Nope. You, but <laughs> let's go back and listen. We did we record, audio record it, though. So we're, uh, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. boy, do I stink at taking notes. Notice my lack of notebook. Um, <laughs> I, so I've seen some things with, like, I don't want to say scanning 3D. I work, uh, there's a business, local business here, like a camera specialty shop. So we have customers that come in and they want to buy tripods and all kinds of equipment. But we have a, we have a lady that comes in with a, she does real estate photography, but in 3D to recreate a room from the inside or a house, you know, and you could take a virtual tour through all this and it's a camera you set up, basically figure it all out and it turns and takes pictures. I've also seen the same thing for uh, like crime scene investigation. I've never seen it applied there. That's awesome. Yeah. So that made me think of that, but I don't know, like when I asked earlier what you're shooting these with or what you're using to capture the images to sort of replicate that what um not to get too technical with the you know the equipment of choice but what what's your main source of sure uh i I try not to get too fancy you know the uh cheaper the better and uh i just have a canon rebel 3 you know uh, it's not even the nice one it's Mm -hmm. like the the lower end one um and it's worked okay um when i need I, I was really early on in the project focused on the photogrammetry because I thought I'm not going to be able to make these textures uh, really work without that technique. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, the photogrammetry has been more valuable for capturing proportions. And then I create the textures procedurally. So even a cell phone has been useful. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I was lacking pictures of the south side of a building the other day, so I just took those pictures with my cell phone. And I'm not even relying on photogrammetry in those cases, you know, typically. Uh, like where I need extra extra stuff. Just but but, but you, could, you could totally use your cell phone. It's just going to be not as good. <laughs> you make it sound like technically somebody could go out and figure out how to just do this right now you just get on youtube and look it up really yeah man that's how i learned how to do all this yeah Yeah, you you just have to find the individual parts to put it together but you could take a Uh photograph of i mean kind of technically harlan my son will like go up to sims he'll build a structure and then he textures everything right like and it would be kind of a similar thing in a way like right like he's kind of taught himself some of those elements. Uh-huh. So, hmm. so it, to it recreate a building yourself, uh, you would just need uh, any kind of camera and you just go out and walk around it in circles and you take a picture every 15 degrees or so right. in this circle. And then you could take more pictures, but if you take a bunch of pictures, it's just going to bog down your computer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you plug those into whichever software and it guides you. It'll guide you through. Right. You know. So you're keeping a like a constant distance around this. Correct. Okay. Same distance from the center point of your circle for sure. 
as much as you can. Um, and like, like if you want to shoot a, uh, the interior uh, of, a, of a place, you would stand on the opposite wall of, the, of whatever you're photographing and work in a circle that way. But if you're doing the outside of a building, you're going to be pointing your camera in toward the uh, very center right. of the object. Yeah. And you can do this with small objects, too. Reflective objects don't work well uh, because as your angle changes around an object, so does the placement of reflections right. on the thing. Um, and so it's hard for a piece of software to match those two photographs uh, with, oh, with those variations. Yeah. Was it less contrast or what you, is it that... Um, well, uh, glass, uh, everything, everything in here has a, a bounce factor called index of refraction. And glass has more of that. Right. Uh, and so it changes, uh, you know, it's more noticeable every time you take a step you know, this reflection is going to move with you. Right. Your relative triangulation to that source of light is going to change. And so when it tries to place that image, yeah. But you can sense. use, like on the front of a camera lens, you can get something like a um, so circular polarizing. polarizing lens. Yeah. And you can use that to kind of work move. out those mm -hmm. reflections. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there a like a sweet spot, like an in time or overcast days, or what's what's Correct. better? Overcast okay. days, because you're going to have few fewer uh, bursts of light, like a, a rim light around a building. You'll see like a halo, yeah, often, and those will really throw it off. So you want to be like if it's just rained. Sometimes that's good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that makes the surface more reflective. But you just go for it. You just say, "I'm going to go out there and take these pictures," and if it's close enough, you can do it again. And uh, um, I've also just cranked the contrast a little bit on my pictures mm -hmm. if there hasn't been enough surface detail uh, for point matching between photographs. So you how, just play with it. How long does a building take now from the time you take a photograph to the time you have the finished 3D model? I could do it not in a day printed, now. But if it's a, sim a fairly simple structure, I could knock it out in a day. Wow, like, wow. Not printed, but you know, make the model. Yeah, ready. like yeah. have the 3D model mm -hmm. virtually. Sure, if it's simple building. If it's right. crazy building, or if well, I'm yeah, planning to like piece it all together into a massive print, then it takes longer. But that's crazy. So you said something about Google Maps sure. and rooftops, right? Yeah, and structures. Yeah. Is that how you're getting the top of these? Or are you having a something raise up a camera and you're just no? Well, if it's it a or? pitched roof, then you kind of can you get some of that. Uh, uh, you can see the shingles or what kind of shingles they're using. Or you can take your texture that you're using to procedurally recreate these shingles and just kind of change the scale to match. Um, because it's being 3D printed, uh, you know, nobody's going to care if like that shing shingle is exactly the same as the shingle on the building as long mm -hmm. as they look, look pretty close. close. If okay. a likeness How finely is there. textured are your 3D prints? Pretty textured, yeah. So you have a pretty small nozzle diameter i'm using a huge resolution. nozzle diameter oh really yeah i'm using a 0.8 almost a one millimeter nozzle that's pretty big mm -hmm. and pretty hot pretty tall layer heights and because these aren't organic sculptures or anything you know that detail loss is negligible uh when you have like siding on a house or something like that 
lends itself, in fact, to mm-hmm. the kind of texture of the building. Oh, that's cool. It's very cool. That's helpful. Makes sense. Um, so Aaron, mm-hmm. he has he he likes to he, ask a question or say a statement. So he's going to mm-hmm. start a sentence, and you finish it. Oh, no. There's no right or wrong. No, no right no or wrong right answers. Or wrong. So that's just it. whatever happens. Right. Okay, my mind is blank. I'm ready. Oh, do you need some water before anything? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. I want an assistant. Would you like some water? <laughs> Caroline? Where'd she go? <laughs> Shh, I'm going to get kicked yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the last one we're going to do here, right? <laughs> Again. So, all right. I wish I could. Be really good. Person? What, what no, that's, <laughs> no, no, that's it. Just be really yeah. good. Just be really good. When I was a kid, I wanted somebody to say, dude, you're the real deal. I did. That was a, that was a childhood fantasy. Uh, I, I do legitimately think you're the real deal. Thanks, that's, man. Uh, yes. is, my dream is fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> now go clean your room. I'm not so little anymore, but <laughs> I'm still a kid at heart. I think, so yeah. I, you were probably the first person that directly contacted us. Mm-hmm. Um about coming on the show. And it really was something that was like, I had no idea what you were talking about, what was really going, you know, like when we first talked. Um, and then I looked at the website a little bit and kind of saw what was happening. And I just like you coming and talking about this, I think yeah. uh, Aaron and I talked about this a few times of like, this is what we love the most. is like discovering that thing that you've never even thought about or yeah. heard about. And I think that just kind of like, having this dream and chasing it and giving yourself the skill set to do it and then doing something on top of that that's really important ultimately oh, yeah. as well. Like, I think it's super cool. And I can't thank you enough for thinking about us and coming and sharing this with us because this is this is really, really, really neat. Same yeah. to you guys. Cool Thanks very much. It, it was sure. uh, at the recommendation of a friend that I contacted you guys. Really? Oh. Yeah. Well, we like that friend too. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I'll pass that on. Yeah. Um. That being said, you do have a you have a show like May eighteenth okay. at the Cherokee Heritage Center in Park Hill, Oklahoma. And yeah, you guys should make it. Five PM is when I'll be kind of presenting to the public. Show will be open all day. You can come in. May eighteenth. Oh yeah, I didn't mention oh, that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't know if it was going to be a surprise or not. Okay, cool. It's not. Well, now. we're just going to announce no, we can it. Cut this out. Uh, no, I'll be running. I'll be running a live 3D print at the at that's the show. Cool. So if you got you know if uh, the audience hasn't seen 3D printer in person, you'll have an opportunity to come do that. May see it in action. 18th? May eighteenth, Saturday. Yeah, my daughter graduates high school that day. It's oh, also bummer, the Abbott Brothers and I have tickets. Oh, bummer, bummer. Well, I have an But excuse. it's going to be going for <laughs> till September. Till September, right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go anyway, and we'll just call you, and we'll meet yeah. up. When you're in town, yeah, uh-huh. come hang out. I, I'm 100% I'm on board to come see this. Yep. Supposed to be cool photographs to Most have. Most definitely. Too. There's one thing about this whole, whole thing that you've talked about is, and Daniel's mentioned a little bit, is the importance of it. Because sometimes if it's gone, it's gone. That's right. I like, think all the time. For, if it's gone, it's gone. Right. But I'm saying like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's totally true. I'm not lying. I made a truth. <laughs> right? right. But it's, I, people don't get the vastness of it if they don't know about it. Yeah. But also, I mean, it gives a why and a who, you know, it's. And a how, hopefully. Right. Hopefully a method. I'm real right. proud of what they're doing to you. what is I? <laughs> 
That's really cool that they're doing the same thing at the U of A. And it is being done in the archaeology field all over the place. That's super great. I agree. Uh, uh, I hope that uh, if anybody's listening and they have any interest, that they won't hesitate to contact me at thejollygeek.com. That's one thing we didn't mention um, was the website. Oh, yeah, for sure. spelled T-S-A-L-A-geek.com. And um, that is named after our language. Cherokee language is... uh, the word for it is Jala Geek, and somebody else coined the term Jala Geek for somebody who's interested in preserving that culture. Oh, that's cool. And the stuff I'm doing is adjacent to their their work. Jala Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly.